church. Everybody run, find a seat somewhere. It's good to have you this morning. Um, today is one big family Sunday. So what that means is our kids, all of our generations are in church for the entire service today. We love this time together. Uh, I know often we have kids church going on, sometimes youth on a Wednesday, but we like to spend time when our entire families are with us for a whole service. We're a multi-generational church and we love that. So, uh, a family of faith and we love to be together. So, having said that, a couple things real quick to know about Family Praise and Worship Sunday. If you're a kid, how many kids do we have? Wave your hand if you're a kid this morning, okay. I want you to look to the nearest adult that's near you. And if it's not your mom and dad, go find them, okay? That's the first thing. So kids, please sit with your families today. And second thing is, just for the adults, obviously when we got the kids with us, maybe a little bit noisy, maybe during the message something you know, might happen a little bit, but that's okay, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, I might not hear it like you do, but I'm good with it, all right? Uh, but we love to be together, even if it's sometimes a tad messy. And if you've been in one big family before, we have young people that are going to come and help you read the verses that we're preaching out of today and different things like that. So a little bit different, but we love our time together as a family. By the way, parents, this is a wonderful time to uh, maybe talk to your kids about certain things. So maybe as we enter into praise and worship, if you want to, you can grab your kids just for a second and tell them why we worship God and what's the point of singing songs and things like that. Great teaching time uh, for you today, if you wish. And all we're doing with your kids when they come to church, hopefully partnering with you to the example and the things you'll be doing at home when you're not here. That's our purpose. So anyway, one big family. We're glad you're here today. So how about you stand up on your feet, say hi to a couple people, and let's get into praise and worship today.
which is mind-boggling to me, that when we just take time to look at him, he goes ahead of us and he defeats our enemies, and that's what we praise him. Just another reason. He is so, so good. So even when we give him our gaze, when we lock eyes with him, he's like, okay, I'm going to go fight your battles for you. I'm going to go get you that victory you need. So if you're not used to worshiping him, it's not just for you, it's for him. But he's going to do things in your life. So if you need a breakthrough, if you've got a battle that you've been waiting to be won, I encourage you to lift your hands, to shout for his glory, to bow down low, to dance for him. Because he is good. And just see what he's going to do for you because he loves you and because he has chosen you and called you forth. Amen. Let praise be open that silence is the enemy. Praise be open that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it
Good morning, live streamers, wherever you're watching, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at, it's good to see you this morning. You can say hi on there, wave a little bit. So come on in, grab a seat, we'll get going. Amen. Well, it's good to have you this morning. So if, if, you came, um, if you came right at service time or a tad late, as you can tell, the kids are with us. It's one big family Sunday. They'll be with us for the whole service today. Um, we love to have them with us. Uh, so as we do during that time, I always have some of the young people help me out because I need a lot of help if you didn't know that. So, uh, so I call on some younger, you know, I, I never, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm getting old, so I like to have the young people help me out. So put it that way. So to help me with offering this morning, I got Sawyer. So Sawyer, come on up here. Everybody say hi, Sawyer. And we're going to give him this mic here. So come on up. He's going to uh, take up tithe and offering this morning. You ready for this? Yeah, you are. Give me five. Give me five. That's always. Okay, there you go. Grab. Can you hold that? You want me to hold it for you? Uh, sure. Okay, all right. All right, I'm reading Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love and as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for the sweet-smelling aroma. Amen. And I wanted to uh, say something. If if God can, Here, I'll hold that okay. for you. If God can give Himself for an imperfect for an imperfect an imperfect creation like us, then why can't we give Him ten percent? Amen. That's good. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna pray now. Okay. Dear God, I ask that you just bless this offering, and please help us just get a good word, and please just send your spirit here, and just fill this house with your love, and just help us have a great day, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sawyer. Good job, good job. So if you have tithe and offering, you can bring it down to the bucket, and uh, while they're doing that, I do have some announcements for you. Um, Don't forget, Monday night, 6 to 7, right here, we have church-wide prayer. If you've never been to church-wide prayer, I encourage you to come on out. We're a praying church. We believe, uh, well, we pray because we believe in God, and we believe God responds to our prayers. So every Monday from 6 to 7, church-wide prayer. Don't forget today, right after church, for those of you that signed up, we have uh, the, uh, the time with Judy about young people and social media. So uh, if you signed up, what we'll do is we'll, we'll start to have everybody hit the door after a few minutes so we can come down here. If you forgot about it and didn't sign up and you want to be here, that's okay. You can stay after for that. So Judy's going to be talking to us about social media and its impact on our kids. Okay, so that's today after church. Uh, small groups are kicking off in February. If you're interested in joining a small group, see me. I'll get you hooked up. February the 17th, Love Your Marriage Night. So it's a Friday night from 6 to 9. It may not last that whole time, but we're scheduling that time. Child care is provided. We'll have some food here. It's an evening of strengthening our marriages. I believe in doing so. We need to do so. Uh, so that's a sign up at the back for that. And there's three sessions that night plus some other things. So uh, get your name down for that. It'll be a good time. A uh, couple other extra things. Uh, social media, by the way, if you, if you have Facebook or, or Instagram, or if you get on YouTube, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram, we have a YouTube uh, page where, where the live stream goes to. So if you have those, you wanna hook up with us, uh, follow those pages and, and uh, just all sorts of stuff will be available to you. And like for instance, Wednesday night, we rarely ever cancel, but we canceled Wednesday. Uh, that was posted on our Facebook page. So if you showed up and, and we weren't here, I apologize, but it's hard to get the word out about that stuff. So anyhow, uh, so if you have social media, you can follow us on that stuff. Uh, also, don't forget uh, parking situation. Obviously, our, our parking lot gets full. We, we are able to overflow to the nurse, or 
Kai Center. It's a funeral home parking lot next door. Okay, so uh, if you can park over there, and obviously all the street parking's available uh, if our parking lot's full when you come. And uh, almost the last announcement. I've never made an announcement like this before. This is the first time I've ever made an announcement concerning this specific subject. But it has to do with the boys' room in the basement, okay? The boys' bathroom. So all the guys and, and young men just pay attention to me for a second. The urinal in there, I've never made an announcement about a urinal, but here it goes. You're, you're in the first time ever for me after 28 years of pastoring. The urinal in the boys' bathroom, if you've never been in there, it, it has a, a turn knob. If you turn it clockwise, that's good. If you turn it counterclockwise, it sticks. And if you walk out, it overflows and floods the room. So if you guys, guys, if you have little guys and you know they go down and use the bathroom, just follow up with them a little bit. We'll try to get that fixed. But until I get somebody in here clockwise, Anyways, okay, so just pay attention to that. Um, and other, other than that, don't forget, if, if you've been with us, if you've never filled out Connect card, I'd love for you to do so. They're in the chairs uh, in front of you or behind you. Also, if you want a prayer request card, Mike has those. We're still uh, obviously always praying. 21 days of prayer ended yesterday, but we are going to close out our service today uh, with some prayer with families. But uh, prayer request cards, but also there are praise reports. This is what I'd love to see. So. Uh, what's been in here is, is uh, a whole bunch of prayer requests that we've been praying over during our 21 days of prayer. If you have a prayer request in there and your prayer request has turned into a praise report, I'd love for you to fill one of those out and throw that in there so we can see that and give testimony to God answering our prayers. Amen? Yeah. So these are at the back table back there. Al's got the prayer request cards. So uh, anyhow, just some stuff for you. Other than that, get your Bibles out. I hope you bring a Bible to church. If you don't, we always do put it on the screen, but we'd love for you to bring your Bibles. And we are glad to see you today. It's good to have you on this rainy Sunday morning. But we are in the house of the Lord, and we're excited to be here. So if you got your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11. So we're still in our series entitled Pursue. Um. That word pursue, remember, it means to follow something in order to catch it. Uh, pursuit is active. Pursuit is purposeful. In other words, when you pursue something, you have your sights on something that you want and you go after it, right? So when I was a kid, my older brother had a dog. Uh, if you're familiar with... Uh, um, dog breeds, it was an old English sheepdog. If you've ever seen an old English sheepdog, they're a big dog and they're strong. The thing probably to its back stood about that high. It was a big dog, right? Uh, his, name, his name was Sir Maxwell Worthington. <laughs> we called him Max. Max, that was dog Max. Well, Max was a big dog. I, I was still kind of a kid at that time. We lived out in the country and uh, I didn't always mess with this dog, but my brother did. But sometimes, every once in a while, I got him on the leash. And you know, sometimes a big dog can kind of pull you a little bit, you know? So I had him on a leash in the yard, and I made a fatal mistake as a young kid. I wrapped the leash around my wrist and in my hand, that way he couldn't pull away from me. I don't know what he saw, a bird, a squirrel, rabbit, groundhog. He saw something he wanted, and he took off. I wasn't ready. And here's Sir Maxwell Worthington dragging me across the yard, stone driveway. You know, he's just, he, he didn't drag me like way far, but he drugged me because he saw something he wanted so bad he was in hot pursuit. And everything else in the world didn't mean anything to that dog except for what he wanted to the point that he drugged me to go after it. I wish our pursuit would be that much after the things of God. Amen. That all of a sudden, the things around us in the world don't mean that much other than getting after what God has for us. And even if it's dragging something in your life, eventually that thing will have to let go. If it's hindering you from getting after what God wants. Okay, pun intended coming. Like dog pursuit, right? Did you see what I did there? Anyways, 
we get after the thing that God has for us. So in both First and Second Timothy, Paul, uh, again, he's a list writer. He lists some things for Timothy that he wants Timothy to pursue. Timothy's Paul's protege, set up as a leader uh, in the Ephesian church where the, the book of Ephesians was written to. Um, Timothy's a young guy. And he tells Timothy to flee some things, but also pursue some things. We've been talking about that part, but with the kids with us, let's just get into reading this. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11. He also gives sort of the same list in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. But both these lists contain the same word that we're going to talk about today. But let's start from the beginning here. 1 Timothy 6, 11. But as for you, O man, flee these things. And the context of that is the pursuit of money, the love of money. But instead, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. We talked about that last week. Pursue love. That's our subject today. Steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love how Paul, he's, he's listing characteristics that should come from the Christian life as we're living a life with God. So today, pursue love. That's our subject. Um, love, though we think of love being an emotion, it does involve emotions at times, but love is a decision that ultimately results in actions. That's what love is. When you say you love something, you may not always emotionally feel that love, but it is a decision, it's a constant decision that you remain the same because you love it and it results in actions from your life. That's what love is. So the first slide, is, if Justice will throw this up today, write this down, let's talk about this. So to pursue love, it's simply this. What is God's example to us? We need to learn to grow in that. So our example of love is God himself. Now, this is something you really must pursue because uh, I know personally, I just don't naturally love people. I don't naturally necessarily even want to be around people. So whenever my wife and I go to, like we visit my, my son and daughter-in-law daughter in Nashville. Nashville is a big growing population of a place. And whenever we're in a place like that, eventually I say something like this, this place would be great if it wasn't for all these people here. I always make a comment like that every time, whether it's the traffic or in a restaurant, I always make a comment, it'd be great if all these people weren't here. You know why? Because I don't naturally love people. It's not, and I know some people are more people-friendly and personality-oriented in that way. It's, I know I'm not. So from the time that I understood how central love is to Christian life, I've had to pray a prayer, Lord, grow me in love. Because I realize my deficiency in that. We can't really talk about love too much in the church. We, we could preach on love the next five, six months, and it would not be enough. Love is infused into the scriptures and what it means to live the Christian life. See, one thing I know is, again, I need to grow in love. We know that love is one of the fruit of the Spirit. But my understanding of love has to come from the fact that God has loved me first. And the God's love for me is the example that I need to follow. So put it this way. A mark of maturity of the Christian life is growth in love. That's a mark of maturity in the Christian life. It is a growth in love that ultimately pushes your boundaries about who you do love. That's a big deal. So a growth in love is a mark of maturity of the Christian life. And if there is one thing that sticks out about the Christian way of living that's very different from the world is not only loving people, but the application of love and how we live. That really sticks out because the world is not that way, man. 
So outgrowth and love is vital. So we got some scriptures we want to walk through. So we have the first one here. I think Jessa has that. Where's Jessa? You ready, Jessa? Come on up, Jessa. There we go. There we go. All right, you got a Bible with you? Okay. All right, let me get this uh, microphone. So we're going to go to 1 John, chapter number 4 and verse number 16. You ready? Okay, here we go. So we know that God loves us. We depend on it. God is love. Anyone who leads a life of love is joined to God, and God is joined to them. Amen. Thank you, Jessa. Good job. Amen. See, that, that verse from 1 John chapter 4 is famous because it has this wonderful statement about God. God is and what God does flows from his, God is love. As a matter of fact, if you claim to abide in the love of God, it'll show up in your life. So what is God's example to us? First, God's example is that he is simply love. The central character, love, holy, the central characters of who God is and results in what that he does. So. If, if we have that slide, slow that slide back up, Justice, Justice, if you would. What does it mean to pursue love? Well, look at God as our example, then learn how to grow in that. So if God is love, the central character of who he is, what should be the central character of the Christian life? Love. He is our example. So if we understand that, now we have something to pursue that I've got to learn that my life should be infused with the love of God. That, that statement, God is love, that's a big statement. It identifies who he is. All right, so another verse here. I got, uh, where's Kirk at? Ready, buddy? Come on up. All right, James, James chapter 2. In verse number eight, so I have something to admit to you. Probably for the first six months we were here, I thought your name was Kurt with a T. Does that happen to you a lot? Yes. Then one day, I said, hey, Kurt, and Margo goes, I think it's Kirk. I was like, hey, Kirk, and I never forgot from then, okay? So, do you, you forgive me? Yes. Okay, right, good, good. Just, all right. All right, James chapter two, ready? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Ooh, you hear that? Thanks, Kirk, good job. Now, I, I like James. James, the brother of Jesus, right? Can you imagine understanding at some point that your brother is the son of God? That would be kind of, that'd be tricky, wouldn't it? James, this is James, the brother of Jesus, one of the early leaders of the early church in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. But he writes, and he calls this the royal law. In other words, this is the law that supersedes everything. This is the law that governs all relationships. The royal law is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you learn how to do this, you're doing good. Now, now watch this. Here's a question I get a lot about Christianity. How do I know I'm doing the right thing? How do I know I'm in the will of God? How do I know? If you learn how to love your neighbor as yourself and, and live it, you're doing good. You're doing well. You're in the will of God. This is what God wants. See, see, God is our example. Again, how he loves us. It's something that grows in us because, remember, then love is the decision that turns into action. So love ends up showing itself in how you love your neighbor. You're to pursue that. Paul is writing Timothy, telling him, pursue what it means to learn how to love your neighbor properly. With what love? The love of God. As God's love grows in you. See, this is sort of, the, this is sort of, if you want to, a test case of Christianity. Again, a test case of maturity of your Christian life. How do you treat other people? When we talk about 
when you, when you hear things like this, you'll know them by their fruit. One of the ways the fruit of righteousness in your life shows up in how you treat people. Is your actions towards other people infused with the love of God? So, by the way, let's take a step back and just say this. Why should you love? Well, because you're saved. Why would you love people in a way that the rest of the world doesn't love people? Why in the world would you do that? Because you're saved. You yourself have experienced the love of God. That's why you do it. Because remember, the Christian life isn't saying, I believe in God and going on your merry way. It's I believe in God. Now, how does that transform my life and change me? And it shows up like this, loving your neighbor as yourself. Again, listen, I understand that's not always easy. But the Christian life and following God and growing him doesn't call you to do just easy stuff. Right? How many of you have ever experienced a time when it was really hard to love your neighbor? That, that could have been somebody you work with. That could have been somebody in your family. That could have been your spouse. It could have been all sorts of stuff, right? But yet love shows up in your life in a way that's, un, listen, uncommon. Is the love of God common? Hi, Rhett. Is the love of God common? No. You're called to an uncommon love. But here's what I promise you. When you grow in it, it actually becomes common to you. And it becomes a way of life. You become something other. You, okay, so the word holy. One of the def definitions of the word holy is other. God is holy. That means he's other than. He's separate, right? When you live a holy life, we, we, all, we often think of it in just regards to sin. Well, yeah, it includes that, but it also is what you do do. Holiness is an otherness that changes how you live towards other people. It shows up in loving your neighbor. I, I like James calling it the royal law of love. I love that. That's so good. So a question that pops up is, how can I love like that? Amen. Okay, so we'll kind of roll into that with the next one. First John chapter 4, verses number 19. I think Uriah's coming up. Where you at, buddy? Come on, Uriah. First John chapter 4 and verse number 19. You doing good this morning? Mm -hmm. I like your shirt, man. It looks good. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. We love because he first... Wait, I'm trying to find it. We love because he first loved us. Yep. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. Those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Amen. I'll tell you what. Do one more verse there. Can you read that one? Okay. The commandment we have from him, from him is there those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Good. Thank you. Good job. Okay. Now, now see, I like that one. Now, by the way, if, if you want to read a, a book in the Bible that's infused with talking about love and the love of God and our love towards one another, go to, go to 1 John and just read that. It's only like, it's a short book. You can read it in, in just a few minutes. So I, I encourage you to go back and do that. But I like, I like how John challenges us there. First, we can love. How can we love like that? Because we understand that God first loved us. How does God love us first? And how does that show up in who we are when God loved us. Now, think about that. God loved me before I was formed in my mother's womb because he knew me. Isn't that true? Then once I was born as, as a crying baby, he still loved me. Now, watch this. At some point in my childhood, I sinned for the very first time correct? And God still loved me. 
And, and then even in my childhood, when I was a pretty good kid, sort of, kind of, but by the time I got to ninth or 10th grade, I, I went, my life and the way I lived went downhill. I started living for me and doing whatever I wanted to do. God still loved me. His love did not stop even in the midst of my sin because love kept showing up in the call of salvation. See what I'm saying? And at some point when I was 17, I gave my life to him, and, he, and of course that didn't change his love. He still loved me. God's love for me has never changed. But notice he loved me even when I didn't love him. That is how God first loves us. And there is our example. You don't just love people because they're good or treat you good. You love people because you're saved. You see that? Now, now here's something else. I, I think uh, something we said before, but you've got to think about this a little bit. I don't know about you, but I didn't get saved because I loved God. I got saved because I needed saved from my sin, and I learned later that to grow in love for him. Because even when I got saved, I really didn't love God. I just wanted something he had. I've never met a person in their sin. Well, I got saved because I love God. You got saved because you need saved. And there was something you discovered about this reciprocal growing in love that, that he bestows upon you. And that, that love just boggles your mind that he could love you that much. And you start to respond to it. But then you learn there's a relationship here and you learn how to love him back. And, but then you learn you can't contain it. And it, and it grows out to the people around you. As James says, kind of curtly, he says, if you claim to love God but don't love your brother or sister, you're actually a liar. That, I mean, that's sort of straight out. James is, or John isn't playing around here. Yeah, I love God, but you know what? That person right there, I don't know about that. James is going, or John's going, well, you, yeah, you're probably a liar. Because ultimately, the growth of love in your life has to spin out of you towards others. God is our example. I like that. So here's the second slide for today. Just, just throw this one up. So here's a question for you. How is your love for others challenged? Think about that. How is your love for others challenged? What person, group of people, situation, do you encounter that challenges your ability to love them or that person or through that situation? How are you challenged? See, I, I think Christianity, we have to learn how to think and be contemplative, contemplative with the help of the Holy Spirit about our life. So, so you've heard this. How many ever heard experience is the best teacher? Not true. Sorry. Experience is your teacher when you evaluate your experience and learn from it. Just because you experience something doesn't mean you learn and grow. It's only when you evaluate your experience and learn from it do you grow. We have got to think about us. So one thing I started to do a long time ago is when I would have an interaction with somebody, I would often catch myself afterwards and, and think, did I do that in love? And when I would do that, I would open the door wide open for the Holy Spirit to come in and do what he needed to do about that. But it started with me going, did I do that? Did I say that? Did I act that out in love? And then in my experience, evaluate, I opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, hey, not bad, you're doing good. You know, that was awful. You need to go back and apologize. And also being humble enough to go back and apologize and say, I didn't handle that right. I'm sorry. I mean, what I'm talking about. When we're challenged in how we love, we've got to be reflective or else we'll never learn. So when you know, so you guys know I was a youth pastor for 18 years, long time. Actually, I ended up 20 with the two different churches I was in. I would say I love all the kids, but there was a couple kids that would push my buttons, buddy. How many testify on that one? I was challenged in my love towards those kind of kids. I was. And I was very specific to do things like, Lord, help me grow in love towards, and there's the name. 
and I was very reflective of my interactions with those students because I wanted to be everything I could be in pastoring their life to be a reflection of God to them, even to love them when they're being absolute jerks. Still to love, right? So how are you challenged in your love? You've got to think about this and be reflective and allow yourself to be corrected by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, then the Holy Spirit helps you change and grow. And you'll find yourself loving people, loving groups of people, loving situations you never thought was possible. Because change is happening in your life. Okay, I got another verse here, last verse. Where's Gavin at? Gavin didn't know he was doing this till this morning, so come on, Gavin. So 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Ooh, good job. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Gavin is going to be a serious bow-hunting deer killer someday. He's getting there. Isn't that right? Yeah, there you go. Wow, this, this is a challenge right here. A little feedback on my mic, Lila. Above all things, notice the priority there. Above all things, love each other earnestly. The NIV, different translations say deeply. In other words, not shallow. Why? Now, this is big right here. Why? Because love covers a multitude of what? What do they mean by that? Love covers a multiple of times when people offend you, sin against you, do things against you that weren't right. Amen. Love covers that. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter's drawing from a proverb. So let's, let's go to that proverb. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. So Peter actually draws from this proverb Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. See that? Now, I'm, I'm going to say something here. I, I w I'm going to store this out. It, when we talk about love covers a multitude of sins, it's not saying there are certain things in life you just simply don't cover up. If you're being abused, you just don't cover it up and let it go and just cover it in love. That's not what this is talking about. Okay. But in a general sense, as we live life, we learn to love other people so much that even when they offend us, they sin against us, we're going to cover that with love because that's what God does for us. Does God's love cover the multitude of sin in my life? Yep. Now remember... Pursuing love is, what is God's example to me, and how can I grow in that? Isn't that right? No, notice what the proverb says. Hatred is always stirring up strife. So it's kind of like this. If I offended Joe, I did something wrong toward Joe, and Joe is constantly trying to stir it up, he's got to keep it alive. He's got to let as many people know as possible so I can be exposed. He's got to do, that's hatred. Ultimately, love will forgive, if necessary, if possible, not always reconcile, and then cover it. Why? Because love isn't just about you, it's about the offending party also. As a matter of fact, remember the great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13? Love keeps no record of wrongs. So love doesn't keep stirring up strife when there's an offense, always bringing it up, always trying to keep it at the forefront. At some point, a mark of the mature Christian life is learning that love covers sin and keeps no record of wrong and lets God do what he needs to do if he needs to do something. That's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. Amen? but we're called to grow in it. So pursuing love. Why? Well, because our life will infuse grace and mercy 
and forgiveness and moving on and keeping no record wrong. And as we find to see that forgiveness in these kind of things are central to the Christian faith. So have you ever had somebody treat you in almost an extravagant way in love that you didn't deserve? How many of you have ever had somebody do things towards you that you did not deserve? Anybody? You remember how much that impacted your life to the point you still remember it and just raised your hand. Imagine being that kind of other person for other people. That we model who God is in how we act. Amen? Pursuing love. So, so like, like getting drugged by a dog, go after it. Go after it. Chase it. Pray for it. Think about your life and how you're interacting with people and change with the help of the Holy Spirit as necessary. But be people who are pursuing to be the love of God in this world. Because look, our world needs it. I'll close with this, then we'll pray. I know the kids are getting antsy. We got you. When Jesus was on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, in that moment, Jesus was giving everybody something they did not deserve. He's giving everybody. The cycle of wrong is only ever stopped when somebody gives something somebody didn't deserve, or the cycle never stops. Revenge, ultimately violence, these things spiral and spiral and never stop until somebody says, I am not repaying you for what you did for me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stop this right here. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And he teaches us an example of stopping this, this, this never-ending cycle of wrong that happens in the world. In the Old Testament, you see uh, the law does something like this, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Why? Because the law was stopping escalation. If, if, if you poke one of my eyes, my natural inclination is to poke two of yours, right? Not only am I going to get you back, but I'm going to get you back worse. That's our natural inclination. The law came and said, okay, none of that business. So if your eyes gouged, then the eyes gouged. We're going to keep this the same, no escalation. And Jesus comes and said, but you heard it was said. But I tell you, and he begins to reorient. Now we're going to go a step further. And I'm going to show you really what this means when I get to the cross. No more payback for payback at all. But responsive love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. You see that? That we pursue that and grow in that. Then we will be the representatives of the love of God in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, there you go. How about, how about this? I know. Stand up, kids. You did a good job. Give yourself a high five. Thank you for hanging in there. Good job, kids. Even Rhett did a good job. You know it's a good day when that happens. All right. How about, how about this? Stand up and grab your family if you have your family. If you're by yourself today, look around. And if somebody's by themselves, grab them into your family. Okay. Everybody has a family of faith today. And I want to pray over families before we leave today. We're going to close with this. Oh, you want to pray with me? Yeah. Okay. You can favorite. come up here. <laughs> so when I say we're a family of faith, I believe that. We're families, family families, but we're also a family of faith. We believe that. So let me pray. First, I'm going to pray over your kids. And we're going to pray as it says in 1 Timothy that don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But set an example in life, and love, and what you do, right? Amen. Then we're going to pray a, a, a psalm over you out of Psalm 115 today. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the families that are here in our church. Lord, I pray that you bless them, you prosper them. Lord, the, the things that they need just to simply go in life, you provide them. I pray for wisdom for the parents as they're parenting and, and navigating life with their family, Lord. 
I pray for, uh, Lord, that in all things, Lord, that, that you are ever present among them, Lord, that there are family units in our church are tight and they're strong. And, and Lord, we pray for those that have wandered away, Lord, that you bring them back to the faith, Lord, for family members that, that aren't living for you at this moment, Lord, but we call their name forth to bring them home as prodigals back into not only families, but families of faith too, Lord. And we thank you for that. I pray for the young people here that they grow in you. They're strong in you. They're mature in you, Lord. As you, uh, as Paul challenged Timothy, that they're not looked down on because they're young. There's no, there's no age limit to growing in you. Nobody's too young to be serious about Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we have young people in this church that are strong in you, growing in you, able to set an example of what it means to live the Christian life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, the church is strong because not only the, the older generation that has strength, but the younger generation that's growing in strength. And we thank you for that. And Lord, just to dismiss with what the Psalm says in Psalm 115, we pray, Lord, for each family here that the Lord would make you increase to be prospered, both you and your children. We pray, Lord, as it says that you be blessed by the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. All right. Well, thanks for coming today. Be blessed. If you're here for that meeting afterwards, we'll meet down here right up front.